Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. The seventh commandment simply reads, Do not commit adultery. Do not commit adultery. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. I would like to discuss this commandment today from a slightly different angle. We read the thou shalt nots. And our focus usually is mainly on what we should not do. And we should focus on what is forbidden. I think that's a good focus. But we sometimes forget that just as much can be learned by focusing on the positives of the commandments. Remember, to every negative there is a positive. To every positive there is a negative. And with this commandment, do not commit adultery, the positive to that is this. Cherish and respect marriage. Honor the sanctified relationship that Yahweh created to take place between male and female. Honor the commitment. Honor the vow. Honor your spouse. Love marriage. Love intimacy within the marriage bed. Focusing on all of these things will give us a disdain for adultery. We'll see the ugliness of adultery. And the harm that adultery brings on individuals, on families, and on society as a whole. So I'd like to turn from Exodus 20 to Genesis chapter 2. I want to read a few verses in Genesis 2 and focus on what Yahweh created, what He ordained and then created, and what He commanded from the beginning. Beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The book of Genesis, the name Genesis is a Greek word. It comes from the Septuagint. It means the origin, the start of something. The Hebrew word is bereshith, which means beginning, the head, the chief. And somebody asked me the other day, what do I believe is the most important book in the Bible? And I answered without batting an eye, and I said, Genesis. We learn so much in the book of Genesis. If I was on a deserted island and I only could have one book of the Holy Scriptures, I would pick the book of Genesis. We learn so much in the book of Genesis about life, about living, about the Messiah. Prophecy. Messianic prophecy. One of the things we learn in Genesis is about marriage and how Yahweh made man and then made woman for man. In Genesis 2 verse 18 it says this, Then Yahweh Almighty said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is like him. In Genesis chapter 1, we have the days that Yahweh advances upon the heavens and the earth. And at the end of each day, we read this, that Yahweh saw or Elohim saw that it was good. And here in Genesis chapter 2, where we get more detail about the creation of man on the sixth day, Genesis 2 is just a reiteration of what happened on day 6, but it gives more detail instead of a broad overview. We have the first time in Scripture where Yahweh pronounces something is not good. And He does it right here. He says it is not good for the man to be alone. Yahweh saw Adam, man, alone. And he said, this isn't good. I'm going to make him a helper. I'm going to give him a counterpart. The old King James Version of the Bible says, a help meet for him. When I was a little boy, I thought that was one word, help meet. But I found out when I got 
big enough to read the Bible for myself and study it. It's two words. A help. Meet. M-E-E-T. For him. The word meet is Old English and it carries with it the idea of similarity but opposite. Comparable but not the same. Someone who will complement the man. The Amplified Bible gives a good rendition of this verse. The Amplified Bible reads, quote, Now Yahweh Almighty said, It is not good or beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. End of that quote. So then in Genesis 2 verse 21, we are told what Yahweh did. Look at verses 21 through 22. It says, So Yahweh Almighty caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. The Almighty took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then Yahweh Almighty made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. So the counterpart who would be complementary to Adam was made from a piece of Adam. Eve was created. She was made from a piece of Adam. Yet, that piece was made into something different than Adam. Similar, but something that balanced Adam out. Yahweh did not make another man for Adam. Scripture calls who He made for the man, one man. Notice the word man is still there. But there is something different about the word. The word has something added to it. One man. And it's not just like that in English. It works the same in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for man here is the word ish. You could spell it in English I-Y-S-H. Some Bible dictionaries spell it. The Hebrew word for one man here is isha. You hear it. Man, one man, ish, isha. The same, but different. (laughs) A counterpart, a helper who is complementary to him. The text says that Yahweh brought the woman to the man. And I don't think that people always see it this way, but this is the first father of the bride giving her to her husband. This is why you still see in marriages today that the father walks down his daughter and gives the bride away to the soon-to-be husband. I realize this is the beginning of everything, and Yahweh did not biologically father Eve like a man and a woman do today, but Yahweh did create Eve. Yahweh was Eve's father. In the book of Luke, in the genealogy of the Messiah, Adam is called the son of Elohim. And so we would have to say that Eve would be the daughter of Elohim. She was directly created by Yahweh. And Yahweh created Eve to be a helper comparable to but balancing out the man because us men need balance. Amen? We need balance. Well, look what the man said when the woman was presented to him. Verse 23, And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. Verse 24, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. In Scripture, those are familial terms. When someone is your bone and flesh in the Bible, they are your family. They aren't just a friend anymore. 
When you get married, you go beyond friendship. You go beyond just hanging out or spending time with each other. You go to the next level. You become one flesh, as Genesis 2.24 says. And Yeshua of Nazareth quoted this section of the book of Genesis in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4-6, through and He commented on it in part by saying, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. So I ask myself, no longer two, because if you if you stand up, my wife and I beside each other, and you look at us and you count one, two, and you say, well, they are two, Master. But he says they are no longer two. What does he mean? Well, there are two of us, but in marriage there is a oneness that takes place between a male and a female. There is a bond that happens. There is a joining that happens. There is a joining together of mind, of heart, of will, and of purpose in a marriage. When you get married, you no longer live for yourself. You live for your spouse. The man lives for the woman. The woman lives for the man. I've been married now for over 21 years. And Tisha is my absolute best friend. I would rather be with her than anybody else. I love spending time with her. I love reaching over in the middle of the night and tapping my hand and feeling her laying next to me. She's been laying next to me now for over 21 years. And she loves putting her cold feet on me in the middle of the night, Sister Dorothy, (laughs) and asking me to warm them up. I love to hold my wife's hand when I walk down the street or through a store. I enjoy talking to her. I love to see her smile. We've grown closer to each other every day that we've been married. And I would say that now after 21 years, our closeness and our oneness and our love is is different. It's not that it wasn't always there from the very beginning. I remember when I was dating her and I was madly in love as a teenage boy. And that's the only thing I thought about was her. And we've gotten older now, but the love is stronger. It's different. It's different. It's it's mature. Tisha and I have been through a lot. We've had good times. We've had bad times. We've had mountains. We've had valleys. We've had times where we've laughed together, laughed uncontrollably. A couple of years ago, we were sitting in the car and I went and bought this notebook at Office Max and she said, That's a nice notebook. She said, why did you buy that? And I said, I'm going to use it to write my memoirs. And she just busted out laughing. (laughs) Uncontrollably. (laughs) She said, who do you think you are? (laughs) We've had times where we've laughed together. We've had times where we've cried together. I've had times where I've held her hand and we've repented together in tears. I am one flesh with my wife. She is one flesh with me. We are no longer two, Messiah says. We have not been two for a pretty long time now. And I like it that way. This is marriage. Brothers and sisters, this is marriage. This is what the seventh commandment is about. Do not commit adultery includes everything that I've just said. Do not commit adultery is a commandment that is telling you, love marriage. Be faithful to your spouse. Don't abuse your position. Serve your husband, ladies. Honor your wife, husbands. 
Be intimate and close with the one you've married. Do not go outside of that boundary. Don't look elsewhere. Be committed to the one whom Yahweh gave you. Anything outside of what Yahweh ordained and created and designed is adultery. I know we often speak of adultery as cheating on your spouse or more specifically lusting after or sleeping with another man's wife as Yeshua talks about in Matthew chapter 5. And there are texts that speak of adultery that way. Adultery is that, but it is not limited to that. Adultery is anything that adulterates or pollutes what Yahweh has ordained and created in marriage. So yes, cheating on your spouse is adultery. Sneaking around, going behind the back of the one that you committed to is pollution. Nothing good comes from that. I've seen that done many times and nothing good ever comes from that. It does so much harm and it wreaks so much havoc in people's lives. Not just on the one who is guilty of the sin, but anyone that is closely knit with that person, it wreaks havoc on their life. Adultery is a sin that has a vast amount of effect and consequence. It harms the people that are immediately involved, but it also brings harm to children and to families and to friends. It makes a mockery of marriage and it is the arch nemesis of marital righteousness. And the effects of adultery will be felt for years to come because the consequences are great. One way to prevent adultery from happening is to be extra in your marriage. Now let me unpack that a little bit. Be extra in your marriage. You take that home with you. Be extra. Now I realize that some people are going to run around and cheat regardless because they just have an old, dirty, stony heart. But I do believe that we can do things in marriage to cultivate a better relationship with our spouse and to prevent wandering eyes and roaming hearts. So, married couples, do not stop being lovey-dovey with each other. That might be the first time I've ever used lovey-dovey in a sermon. Don't let yourself go and quit caring. Us men need to keep holding doors open for our wives. Amen? Keep holding her hand. Cherish her as a fine ruby. As a fine gemstone. Keep kissing her. Keep looking into her eyes and tell her you love her. Not just I love you, but you look deep into her eyes and say, I love you, honey. The same goes for the wife to the husband. Us men like to be served. We like to be flattered. It's just the truth. I love to hear my wife say, and she says it. She'll say, Matthew, I sure love how you take care of me. And boy, that makes me buck my chest out, and I grunt a little bit when I hear her say that. Because it makes me feel like a man. Yahweh created me to be a provider and a protector and a worker. Yahweh created me like that. He wants me to sweat. He wants me to work hard and take care of my wife and be there when she needs me. Even if it's something as simple as opening the pickle jar. Honey, can you open this jar for me? Yes, I can. Open the jar. Give it back to you. She says, boy, that was easy. I say, yeah, I know it was. (laughs) It's okay. Us men like that. That's okay. And women, they like to be pampered. They like to be treated as fragile, as something priceless, as something special. But in all seriousness, don't stop making extra effort. 
Married people need to go out on dates, take each other out to do things, surprise each other, and it doesn't always have to be a big surprise. Big is good. Sometimes big is needed for special occasions. I'm big on making anniversaries special. But small is good too. Sometimes Tisha and I will go to Home Depot together all alone to get materials for a project. Oh, she lights up about that. That's her favorite place, she says, is Home Depot. She loves projects. She likes to get me to do projects. And we walk through Home Depot, and we're holding hands, and our clothes are tattered and torn. My hair might be messed up. My beard might be disheveled. I might have a little pain on my arm, and she might have a little pain in her hair because we've been working together. We've been working hard. Then I take her from Home Depot, take her to Arby's, take her to Chick-fil-A. I'm a high roller. (laughs) Or wherever. And we sit down together in a booth. We've done it many times for a lunch date. And she says, I love these day dates, honey. We sit down in a booth and we eat lunch and then we pray when we're through. (laughs) And we we always hold hands across the table when we pray. And I walk her to the car. Sometimes I open the door. Sometimes I forget. <laughs> and she reminds me. <laughs> I'm talking about marriage. Amen. All of these things are adultery prevention. The same things you did before you were married when you felt madly in love, those things don't have to stop. You might have to put some more wood on the fire. You might have to pour a little gasoline on the fire. And if you have to, go ahead and do it. Do what you have to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 34, the Bible says, or excuse me, verses 3 through 4, the Bible says, A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. Now listen to this verse. A wife does not have authority over her own body, but her husband does. Equally, a husband does not have authority over his own body. But his wife does. When you get married, you belong to your spouse. And you are called by Yahweh to nurture and to care and to serve your spouse. This is not a call to overpower or abuse your spouse. Not at all. This is a call to recognize that you are not your own. And this call goes just as much to the man as it does to the woman. This same chapter says that intimacy in marriage is a strong way to prevent infidelity or adultery. It says that a husband is not to deprive his wife of intimacy or the wife her husband. And that any times of abstinence are to be agreed upon and only for a time of devotion to prayer and fasting. And then you come back together again in the marriage bed lest you be tempted elsewhere because of your lack of self-control. So one of the reasons that Yahweh created marriage was for our pleasure. The pleasure between a husband and a wife. It is okay and it is righteous for a husband and wife to enjoy intimate romantic pleasure. Yahweh did not make it pleasurable for no reason. It is something to delight in, but within the confines of marriage. It is a way to become close with your spouse over and over and over again. Marriage is under attack in the world today. 
Even the male and female distinction is being attacked. Some people are saying and teaching that there is no such thing as biological gender. Everything is just subjective. If a man wants to be a woman, he can act like a woman and even do things to his body to look like a woman. I just read on the NBC app on Twitter today where two men who are acting like women, they're transgender as they call them, they ran in this race and they won. And some of the females are beginning to get upset because they know that's really men. That's not us. They teach the same thing for women as well. The world thinks that it's okay for a woman to want to be a man and then walk around acting like a man. Then you have men going with men and women going with women and they call that love, but we know that that's not love because love can only be defined biblically. And love is the what? The keeping of the commandments of Yahweh. So anytime somebody tells you that something is love and it's not in tune with the commandments of Yahweh, you know that they're lying, that it's not love. Anybody that says, well, they love but don't keep the commandments... They're a liar. Now let me say this in the plainest of terms. All of this wickedness is nothing but satanic, demonic lust of the flesh. It is an abomination to neglect that Yahweh ordained differences between male and female. It is an abomination for a man to be intimate with a man or a woman to be intimate with a woman and try to call that marriage. That is an abomination under Yahweh's teachings and guidance. It is an abomination. It flies in the face of Yahweh's law. It flies in the face of natural common sense. Yahweh created male and female with different anatomy for a reason. A woman compliments a man. That is something that a man cannot do for another man. And a woman cannot do for another woman. That's a mirror image. We want something the same but yet balancing. Something different. Similar but yet different. A man and a woman do what? They procreate. They make babies together. The commandment to be fruitful and multiply cannot be carried out by two men or two women that are laid up in a bed somewhere acting like they're married because an antichrist state gave them a marriage license. I don't care how many licenses they draw up, it's not marriage if Yahweh doesn't allow it. It is an abomination. It is adultery. It is. All of this is adulterating the marriage bed. Let me say this, sleeping around, which is very popular today, you've heard of things like friends with benefits and stuff like that. I remember when I first started hearing that in my 20s. That does the same thing. When people are out there sleeping with different men and different women on different nights of the week or different weeks of the month with zero commitment and fidelity to a person, there is nothing righteous about that. That's not what Yahweh ordained in Genesis. Illicit and loose sexual activity is is having an act of intimacy with someone that you are not going to be devoted to in your life and your time. That is sharing a special precious act with a stranger. If you're not interested in marriage, don't fool around with someone's emotions and someone's life. This message is not about courtship, but I do not even believe that young people need to get involved with each other unless it is in their mind that they are a prospect for marriage. There is no sense in having your son or your daughter be involved with somebody 
just for a fling or just for a time or just for a few months and then they say, well, I'm not really worried about it because I'll probably break up with them anyhow. That's not right. It's not biblical. It's not Torah. So if you're not interested in marriage, don't fool around with people. Don't mess with somebody's emotions in life. Keep your britches zipped up and keep your skirt on. This is what the Scriptures teach. It is something special that Yahweh created to be enjoyed and cherished between a husband and a wife. Now, I've spoken with so many people over the years since I've been ministering. And I know that so many of us have failed in this area of obedience to the law. Sexual immorality is rampant in the world. And it is attractive to our fleshly man or woman. But sexual immorality brings nothing but heartache, problems, and strife. It makes a lot of promises that it doesn't keep. Like all sin does. Sin will promise you something good. But it will never keep the promise. It will be pleasurable for a season. But in the end, it will sting like a serpent and bite like a viper. Now I want you to know today that no matter how far you may have gotten off track in marriage or in sexual immorality, not just for those in here, but those that are listening by way of telephone or other means, social media, no matter how far you've gotten off track, Yahweh is a deliverer, and Yahweh can deliver you from all of that. I'm not talking about Yahweh making you prosperous in the sense of the prosperity gospel hogwash and trash, but I'm talking about biblical, law-keeping prosperity. It begins with the gospel. The good news that you can be forgiven of all your sin by repenting of your sin and placing faith in the Messiah who lived for you, who died for your sins, and who was raised from the dead victorious over sin and death. Then, this beautiful message of forgiveness continues with the wonderful and beautiful commandments that Yahweh gave us. That are not too difficult, Deuteronomy 30 says. That are not grievous, 1 John chapter 5 says. But that bring health to your body and marrow to your bones. That bring joy in your life and peace and goodness and love into your life. You watch a family or a marriage that keeps the commandments of Yahweh. And you see the fruits of the Spirit coming about. Because within the law... The blessings are embedded. And any time you veer and get outside of the law of Yahweh, what happens? The cursings, the problems, the heartache, the bitterness, the strife. That's what happens. And so Yahweh can make all things new for anyone. That's His promise. Gospel. Law. He can do it. It's not too late to change your mind. It's not too late to say, I'm sorry. It's not too late to get on your knees. It is not too late, my friend. It's not too late. And that goes for any sin that you may be struggling with or involved with. It's not too late. You've got breath in your lungs. And you can still walk and you can still talk and converse. It's not too late to repent. Yahweh can and will forgive you of all your sin and all your filth if you admit your sin, repent of your sin, and confess to Almighty Yahweh. Confess your sin and confess Almighty Yahweh and believe in His Son for salvation. Yahweh is that merciful. He's that merciful. And if He wasn't that merciful, there's not a one of us that would be sitting here today. We're saved by grace through faith, that not of our own, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
We are His workmanship, created in the Messiah for good works, which Yahweh hath prepared beforehand for us to walk in. So Yahweh is so merciful. He's so merciful that a practicing adulterer or fornicator can be forgiven. Don't withhold Yahweh's mercy from those people. Yahweh is so merciful that a porn star can come clean and experience the forgiveness of Yahweh. He's that merciful. Yahweh is so merciful that a person involved in a homosexual relationship can repent and be forgiven. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9-10 through 10 says, And such were some of you, talking about it in the church, but ye are washed, but ye are cleansed, but ye are justified, but ye are sanctified. Yahweh will forgive someone who is committing adultery if they confess and repent. They will be forgiven. There are always consequences, physical consequences for our sin. And we can't just wipe those under the rug. I've I've counseled people before and I've told them, they've wondered why are things still happening? It's been 20 years since I've changed my life and turned my life over. There's still things that are happening. And I've explained to them that just because Yahweh forgives you of your sin doesn't mean that there's not consequences to what you may have done in your past. The consequences don't mean that Yahweh doesn't love you but Yahweh punishes the iniquity of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. Now I think with time, things can heal and consequences can lessen. But they're still there. But you can repent and be forgiven. Yahweh can wipe all of that, all of that sexual immorality. He can wipe all of that clean, give you an absolutely clean slate. <laughs> he can wipe it clean, but you must confess. And repent your sin, repent of your sin, and place your faith in Christ. You must devote your life to Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. If you haven't repented of your sin, that verse doesn't apply to you. But if you've repented of your sin, that verse is all yours. There's no condemnation in Christ. Vow your ways and your conduct to Him. He is all you need. He's more than enough. Do not commit adultery. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Almighty Yahweh, thank You so much for Your commandments. Thank You for the seventh commandment. Help us to be pure, not just in our actions, but in our thoughts. Keep us from the lust of the flesh. Keep us from the ways of carnality, the ways of the heathen. And help us to live a life of purity and chastity, loving marriage, being faithful to our spouse, giving a good example to the young people, and walking as Your law teaches us and as You enable us to walk. I love You, Yahweh. I'm thankful for Your Son, Yeshua. It is through Him I pray to You. Amen. Yahweh bless you.